I would skip out of school. My grandma was an, a retired English teacher, and I would skip out of school to go hang out with my grandma and talk about <laughs> the latest issue of The New Yorker and whatever novel I was reading, Yeah, which I loved. It was an amazing experience, but also it would have been great to have just a bigger community of, of people with similar interests. Our guest is Van Jensen, and his debut novel called Godfall just came out. DC Comics, you've done a lot with them. Yeah, it's been a, a few years since, yeah, it, it hit a point. That was definitely, like, I dreamed of doing superhero comics as a kid. Yeah. I truly got to do the thing that was my biggest childhood dream already happened. So everything else is just gravy. But yeah, I did Green Lantern and The Flash and Superman and a little bit of Wonder Woman. And, um, I've heard and of then them. just hit a point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, after a certain point, it was like, okay, I want to just do more of my own stuff. And so it's not to say that I, I'm not going to do some Marvel or do some DC stuff, but I definitely... Your rate you know, just the, went up a bit, I think, probably. But <laughs> It's a great benefit yeah. to this. So from an artistic perspective, previously you were stepping into a lot of well-defined and well-established and legendary worlds and had to create within the confines of that, which I think confines can spur creativity. What did you find different or surprising or your impressions on then having that cursor on the page where you had the responsibility and privilege and time to develop your own world? The way that I approach, like I'm a big story structure kind of person. And, and so there's not a ton that's, that's different. I would say the main difference is with DC, yes, superhero stuff like these superheroes, they've been around for 80 years. And the job is tell a superhero story for say the flash that's never been done before in 80 years, but also don't change anything. <laughs> yeah. Tell it the and, same, but different. And so that's tricky in its own way. But with my original projects, I always it, it's two things. It's one, it's just thinking about what's my emotional way into it. Like why it's such a big effort. I just, I really need to care in some big way about the story that I'm telling. It has to mean something to me. So it's finding that. And then it's also, I actually, it's funny you said that about creative constraints because I'm a huge believer in creative constraints. I, at the front end, I always apply constraints to what I'm working on so that it, I don't just feel like, oh, I have a blank page and I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I know exactly what the story is not, and I have a roadmap of where I want the story to go, and so I really know what I'm doing when I sit down to write. I, I, I just, I'm a big believer in process, and that's not to say that, like, when you outline a story that it ends up staying exactly like the outline. In fact, it never stays exactly like the outline. It always, that exploration brings up some interesting things, and, and I, I just think, like, when the unexpected or interesting or an image comes to mind that feels powerful, I always explore that. I always really value that. But I just never want to sit down where I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do next. Like, I know what to do next. And if I don't write, it's because I'm being lazy, not because I have writer's block. <laughs> yeah. As far as structure to any aspiring writers out there, is there a book or like Robert McKee's book is famous on story development, Save the Cat is, is a big one now with a lot of people. Is there a book you recommend to anyone as far as learning the outline process, which many will tell you is actually more difficult than actually writing the, the prose, but what do you believe in as far as a structural guide? 
Yeah, the way that I frame it is that storytelling and writing are different disciplines. And so you really have to think of it in those terms. You, if you're storytelling and writing at the same time, then you're like, you're so in the weeds of writing that you can't zoom out and see the bigger things. And you need to be able to see those. You need to be able to work through those. And so with storytelling, I spent a lot of years where I was just very intentional. And I think I had a good innate story brain, but I wanted to very purposefully study it. So the book that I love the most, I, I will say, yeah, if anyone out there reads Save the Cat, just please know that it's not a manual. It's fine information to have in your brain, but just don't. Like any of these books that yeah. are like, tell a story exactly this way, no. It's more about learning the fundamentals of storytelling that then you can apply in a creative way. So there's a book that's called The Seven Basic Plots by Christopher Booker. And it's my favorite book on storytelling. It's massive. You don't, you don't really need to read all of it. There's a lot of it that you can skim, but it does this incredible job of just breaking down the basic types of stories that humans have told all through human history. But it does it while using more contemporary examples, which I really appreciate. There's a whole chapter about how Jaws is a perfect story, yeah. which it is. Jaws is flawless. And yeah, so it also gets into the sociological reasons why we tell the same stories. So it's not just that you're like, oh, like I'm going to tell this type of story because this type of story does well in the market. It's I'm going to tell this type of story because it resonates with other human beings for this reason. And when you have that kind of emotional truth in your storytelling and you know what you're doing, I think that's where you can do some really incredible work. That's great advice. Very interesting. If we could go over your daily Nebraskan experience and yeah. getting to college, where did you grow up in Western Nebraska? The town is called Llewellyn. Okay. It's, I don't know how many people it is now. It, it was 300 people. Wow. While, while I was growing up, it's out in the panhandle close to Lake McConaughey. Yeah. If you know that. Sure. And we actually, we lived about two miles outside of town. But it was just one of those places, everyone knows everyone. Yeah. You're forced to get along with everyone because you just, it's so few people. Like you, you have to find a way to make it work. And so there's stuff about it that was challenging. By the time I graduated high school, I, I was so desperate to leave because I like, I was the only kid who read comic books. I was the right. only kid who read a lot of novels. So I just didn't, I didn't have the community. So yeah, it was this mix of, I, I loved it, but I was also very eager to get away. And then, yeah, went to UNL and I drew a lot as a kid. That was my main passion. And I just decided, it, I didn't know anyone who was a working artist. So it was like, what am I gonna do? Study art? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what to, to do with that. But I had gotten more into writing. And so journalism seemed like the only way to potentially make a living as a writer. And then I just fell into the DN first semester freshman year. Wow. And was it reporting or on the opinion side too? Yeah. So I came in, I'm a big basketball guy. I was really into sports as much as anything. So I became a sports reporter. And then I'm trying to think, I worked my way up. I was assistant sports editor. And then my senior year, I became editor in chief. Oh, okay. Wow. It was such a formative experience. Yeah. I look back and I was like 20, 21 in charge of a five day a week newspaper with 110, yeah. 120. 
20 person staff. It's incredible to get to do that. And for all, and we also, we just have this team of people that were so incredibly gifted and thoughtful. And right now we're talking about me and the neat stuff that I've done, but truly there are a couple of dozen people from that era of the Daily Nebraskan who all have gone on to do really special, neat, cool things like top of their field kind of stuff. So yeah, it was a great group. We got that year, we got recognized as the best college news publication in the country, nice. uh, which, you know, it's like yeah. that stuff. I'm as proud of that as I am of anything. And again, Van Jensen will link to the book. Godfall just came out, picked up by Imagine Ron Howard. Van will be doing a book signing in Lincoln on Saturday at 4.30 at Francie and Finch. Van, anything we didn't cover that you wanted to say to our localized audience here in Nebraska before you private jet off to Malibu and never <laughs> talk to us again? Or I tell you, my wife, like in the midst of all of this, she was like, you, you should like, you should treat yourself to buy yourself something. Yeah. And I was thinking on it and I was just like, I, I have a very privileged life already, but you talking about the private jet, it did make me think, I was like, I'm going to start going for comfort plus. Yeah. Like, You've like, earned maybe, it. Maybe even business class. Like I'm 6'3". <laughs> wow. I'm, six, three. I'm, oh, I'm, wow. I'm done jamming my knees into the back of the seat. I could get a slightly nicer airline seat. If you can't do it now, well, then what's the point of any of it? That's, you've earned it. I hope you <laughs> upgrade. I hope they upgrade it for you, damn it. That's, they should do that. But again, so happy for you. Honored to have you with us and appreciate your perspective. Can't wait to read the book and excited to see what comes of all the other stuff. So Van, can't thank you enough for coming on and good luck on the roller coaster, man. It's exciting. Thank you. All right, Van Jensen. <laughs> <laughs>